What is going on, No Bad Dog Army? It is Wednesday, which means No Bad Dog Podcast Day (laughs) when I'm home, right? (laughs) Uh, Anyway, this is a great podcast with somebody who adopted a German Shepherd who's eight months old, uh, didn't work out in the first home, and now she's doing everything that she can to make the dog have a successful life or help the dog have a successful life. And this is one of those situations where I have to play a little mind a little minecrafting going on because uh, if you listen to this dog owners, uh, this is for my dog trainers out there and maybe dog owners too, but if you listen how this dog owner is, this is from experience over the years. She's in a state of mind of I've done everything. This dog's not getting better. I've done everything. This dog's not getting better. I want better, but it's not going to get better. So this is one of those, uh, this is the whole podcasts that I do with this individual is really trying to bring her out of her understanding of the rut that she's in. I can tell by her body language and her voice inflection and how she's speaking to me that mentally she's like, I've, I've done everything. Nothing's going to work, but I'm talking to you just in case type thing. She's a lovely individual who cares for her animals very much. And she really genuinely wants this dog to get better. And she does great and is a good podcast, but I wanted you to watch how I, in the beginning of the conversation, if you listen to her, the way that she's talking and the way that she's breaking things down, I'm not listening to really much of the details of her dog training. I'm listening to her state of mind that she's in because it's, it's, this is how the tonage is. It's kind of like, we've done this and we've done this and I've done that and I've done this and I've been here before. It's this very like, not woe is me, but it's this very, not much is going to help. I kind of already have this in my head. So I want you to, this is a good podcast to understand that, uh, especially for my dog trainers out there that are working with clients and working with uh, people. And this is the first thing I noticed exactly from this person's energy was, I've done everything, nothing's going to work. We want to help, but it's not going to happen. And then I build her up as we go, I think. So this is one of those podcasts, a troubling eight-month-old pushy German Shepherd. Uh, it's it's a good, again, it's obviously good dog training information, but it also is a great process of building up dog owners' pers- perseverance up and, and helping them persevere and overcome some of their things. The dog is, you know, it's like how we, like I say in this podcast, it's this is something we see every single day in the facility. Easy peasy lemon squeezy has nothing to do with the dog. So this is a good buildup. Hope you guys like it. Uh, As always, you guys, I'm going on tour. Can't wait to meet you guys. Link in the description below for meet and greets. They're absolutely for free. And audit spots are available for Texas, Florida, and LA. If you guys want to come out and hang out for the weekend and watch me train. And uh, yeah, it's going to be fun. So at the end of the podcast, I'm also going to be answering three of your dog training questions. So make sure you listen to the end. Enjoy the podcast. I've worked with him as much as I can um, with a lot of training techniques and tools and socialization um but every time we have to bring him anywhere including the vet he is very very aggressive and reactive um we have to muzzle him we use the herm springer collar um and we really need some you know very much so professional help Um, 
we've talked to a couple of trainers in our area, but they, I don't know if they just don't have experience with um, fear aggression or how reactive he is, but, um, you know, I don't want to give up on him. I want to help him the best I can. I want to do whatever I can um, to help him be a happy dog and at least neutral in public and whatnot. Okay. Got it. So right now, uh, so he's 11 months old. You've had him, you've had him since, uh, he was eight months or you've had him for eight months. Yeah. We've had him for about eight months and he's been reactive since day one when we brought him home. Okay. Um, and I've had German Shepherds in the past, so I have a feeling um, where he was before. Um, they were not giving him what he needed, and I've I've tried my best to give him what he needed. Um, you know, exercise. He is a working dog, so we have a flirt pole. Um, we go on walks. Um, okay. You know activities all of that to keep his brain stimulated and his body um and we um talked to our vet a little bit about drug therapy so that we could get him to a trainer because every trainer that we've gone to for him um they just don't want to work with him okay um, so he's reactive when you're out with him, right? Yeah, or if anybody comes to our door, um, he's very reactive. Um, he's been reactive since we got him, um, but he has slowly gained trust in myself and my fiance as well. And then... Um, my mom too, cause she lives, uh, relatively close by, but anybody with, uh, outside of his small circle, um, he's very reactive to, okay. um, also 70 pounds. So, um, you know, I, I want him to be happier, at least neutral in public so we can go and do things. And when we first got him, we were living in an apartment that, was just um, swarming with dogs all the time. So we socialized him best we could and we took him places when he was younger. He was still reactive, but back then he wasn't 70 pounds. So, um, you know, it was just less um, fear on my part because I knew I could okay. uh, correct him or hold him back or help him. Uh, but it's just, especially in the last couple months, he's he's gotten worse and worse. And we took him to the vet for his neutering, um, and he it was just a hot mess. Um, and okay. I want to be happy. Yeah. And right now, I kind of don't have much of a life because I'm you know, trying to help him and focus on him and, and my other dog as well. And my fiance's in the military. So it's difficult because he goes away on 
uh, week-long trips or gets deployed. Um, so it's kind of just me that's working with him 24-7 okay. um, and all that. So uh, when you say that you've used different techniques and different training, why don't you just tell me what you've done so far for training? That way I don't have to tell okay, you already so what you've done. Worked with basic obedience, sit down, place. Um, we've done crate training as well. Um, uh, corrections, like with a leash and collar. Um, I do have a knee collar, um, but I have not tried that yet. I just got it. Um, that has the buzzing level and then all sorts of levels as well. Um, uh, the flirt pull to help with his prey drive, all that kind of stuff. Um, okay. Walks and active. How's his, uh, how's his healing things? Like how is he with the behaviors that when you ask him to do, like how is his obedience um, when you ask him to do stuff? Um when we're at home or we're in a neutral setting with not much distractions, he listens to me, especially if I have a ball. <laughs> um, he's very ball motivated instead of food motivated. Um, okay. But when we're at the vet, when we've tried taking him into different stores or not dog parks, but uh, big acreage parks where there's people, at a distance and we can be safe. He's still very reactive. It's like, um, he zones in, but I can clearly tell it's fear aggression. Cause most of the time he'll bark, bark, bark. Um, if the person is close, he'll try to jump. But most of the time it's just like, I want to get the heck out of here. Yeah. Uh, so when he barks and, and does all of that, what do you do? What, what happens when, when you're involved, like, how do you handle that situation? So, um, if he's not doing well, I try to correct him with the leash and collar and get his attention back on me before, um, things escalate or get too bad. Um, uh, by correcting him with the leash or distraction, um, but there have been times where he won't listen at all and he will either want to get the heck out of there, even if he's going to rip my arm off or um, especially at the vet when he's in a, a small room with people he doesn't, well, he knows them, but he doesn't know them at the same time. Um, he will bark and lunch and I will do corrections, but... I want to make sure too that I'm not, I want to know when it's um, appropriate to correct him um, that won't make his fear worse, you know, because I would hate for my corrections to be the wrong timing or the wrong way to do things um, and make him worse. But I do try to correct him because I can very much tell his body language and especially I know my dog pretty well so I can tell when he's stressed out or you know yeah try 
to do corrections before it escalates. Um, so mm -hmm. I, I need help and I wanted to do a board and train um, here, but we've wanted so many trainers and they don't, um, you know, want to work with them. And I, it breaks my heart because he really is a sweet dog and that I want to help him and I don't know how. Yeah. I'm sorry. No, that's okay. So when you correct him with your leash and your collar set up, what, what type of equipment are you using right now? Um, so I have a Herm Springer collar. Um, I also tend to do regular collar behind the Herm Springer collar um, with a very light leash. Um, if it's not too bad, I will correct him with, uh, uh, you know, just a quick tug or quick snap of the leash. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but sometimes, well, and then I have a muzzle when we go out in public just for his safety and others' safety. I would hate for anything to happen. Um, he's just kind of been like this since we've had him. So I've been trying everything that I know or, okay. um, you know. Yeah. So a lot of, especially if you're dealing with a dog that is is fearful and you know it's fear your your best if you have the right tools and the dog is in front of you i think a lot of the process and the success that you're going to find is going to come from your ability to handle the dog so mm -hmm. there's it's kind of like getting a car that goes really fast really quick and you have to be very experienced and, and be able to handle it, right? You got to know like, mm -hmm. oh, I've done this a bazillion times. I know my timing is everything. And so it's the same thing with dogs. Sometimes dogs can be overwhelming for certain people. And that's why the first person couldn't handle them. So a lot of what you're going to be dealing with, especially if you already have the right tools into place, is just the handling. So there's a lot of, there's, there's a lot of pieces to the puzzle when you're working with behavior. And the majority of people, the biggest missing piece is just accountability. So the dog has been reactive and doing stuff we don't like them to do for years, but we've never told them it was no. And so it sounds like you have some of the right equipment, um, but even getting more granular than that, making sure that the equipment is fit properly. Uh -huh. uh, so when you're wearing the prong collar, do you feel like it's nice and snug or is it all over the place and hanging down? And... Uh, no. Okay. So... Yeah. So when you're handling him, this is where all of your timing comes in as well as your relationship with him. So you have to make sure that because you can't have one, even if you're a good handler, but you're going home and you're giving the dog all the wrong information, you're going to make uh -huh. it, you're, you're going to one step forward, two steps back. You're not going to really gain right. any ground. So I'm going to start with relationship because that's the easiest thing to usually start kind of chipping away at. And the relationship with dogs, especially that are fearful and have anxiety and, you know, everything else that we've been talking about, the most important thing is how you're treating the dog inside because however you're treating the dog in your relationship privately is going to dictate how the dog behaves publicly. 
And so mm-hmm. if we are confusing the dog and we are overlaying a lot of diluted conversation with the dog, then they will, and this is just historically speaking from all the behavioral cases I've worked with, they will then, excuse me, uh, have a problem with how you react outside. Mm-hmm. So you just have to make sure that when you're, because uh, Again, like if you let me back up a little bit. If if you came into the facility and you said, "Hey, here's the deal. This is something that we see every day." So I understand it's frustrating not having the proper resources in your area to handle a dog like this or the experience, but this is like breathing for us. This is something we just do instinctually every day. And so the first thing I would be doing I'd say, okay, yep, this dog's like the amount of dogs that you've seen in my YouTube videos that have been th- this dog, like mm. to a T. My dog is reactive and fearful. He's a sweet dog, but he's scared, right? Every, almost every German Shepherd with a problem coming into my facility has that. Over 700 videos on my channel right now. And I would say more than half of them are this. And so the first thing I do is I, hey, let's go into my back room. I want to see you handle this dog. That's where the work starts to happen. That's where I'm looking uh-huh. at your handling. I'm looking at your relationship. And I'm like, okay, this is the reason why your dog is reactive. This is the reason why your dog is insecure. This is the reason why your dog is protective and wanting to go after everybody that he sees if he doesn't know this person. He's constantly saying, get away, get away, get away. Get away because mom and dad can't handle the situation and I like them and I'm going to protect them. But I am in no means t- to protect these guys. So so then you get this reactive barky dog that looks vicious and is a biggest puddle you've ever seen so typically when this type of uh, external behavior start to happen it comes from uh, talking to the dog too much not giving the dog uh, real solutions and accountability with your voice so if we are hey knock it off hey don't do this hey dog 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 then the dog immediately, you go, you're gone. You don't exist. You might as well just let that dog outside and let it go to somebody else because somebody else is going to have a better shot. So it's the number one reason why personally, it's a, it's a close battle with accountability, but it's one of the number one reasons why dogs react the way that they do out of fear is because at home we're telling them I'm not in charge. I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, you know, all the stuff that dogs don't really want to hear. And then what they do is they become nervous, they become insecure. And I think most importantly, I would just say confused. They don't know what to do. They have no idea because because of the information. So that's the first thing is at home. And again, this is something that I watch my clients do. I say, okay, handle your dog from here to here. And they go, okay, bud, are you ready? Okay, let's get over here. And they're, they're the leash is kind of they're getting nervous. The leash is going left to right. They're trying to figure out what to do. They're, they get they, they kind of throw these little verbal things at the dog, right? And then they say, okay, let's go. And then they look straight down at the dog and they walk forward. So you just told the dog like, oh shit, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm nervous. I'm about to do something with you that's going to make you nervous. And then they look straight at the dog and they go, can you drive? And then the dog reacts. So mm-hmm. again, like that's where I would start with is at home, making sure that you're not diluting your relationship with your dog. Yeah. And I try to be very clear with commands and to not confuse him. I've 
tried my best to give him the confidence in situations that I can where uh, he understands that I got the situation. Um, Mm -hmm. He does much so listen to me more than my fiance just because I have more dog owning experience and shepherd owning experience than my fiance. So a little bit, we get our wires crossed as well, him and I, because, you know, I'll be like, don't be repetitive with commands. Be strong with what you're saying. Don't confuse him. Um, We definitely, well, I definitely keep him held, hold him accountable. Um, and doing corrections at home or, um, and then just the, the activity levels, the things that he needs for mental and physical stimulation. I try to do my best. Um, um, but yeah, I mean, the reason why I set up this phone call is mainly because I, I know I'm not perfect and I definitely don't have as much experience at all as you or most of the dog trainers out there. I just, I've been trying to get him help for the last couple months with trainers here so that they can give me the tools to properly do because I, I am a little bit experienced, but um, I do know that I don't want to do something wrong that can, like you were saying, take two steps back and one step forward. Yeah. Uh, so that's why I wanted to uh, reach out and everything and um, see what you would recommend as far as, and I've watched a lot of your videos and for a long time and tried to um, apply them. Um, and I, I have been, I know shepherds are, you know, they, they need to be active, brain stimulation, um, they're working dogs. I knew kind of what I was getting into, but, um, if we didn't take this dog, he probably was going to be in a worse situation and, um, or put down sadly. Um, but I've been trying to work with him since day one. Um, so I just, I just need help, you know, professional help and guidance and all that. Cause I'm willing to put in the work and I've tried to put in the work. I just don't want to make it worse on my part. Right. So, yeah. So the other thing that contributes to this is again, your relationship and your, your handling. So after the relationship, it then comes into handling. So this is where, again, your timing comes in and your experience comes in with dealing with dogs like this. And it's kind of like dancing, uh, to, to different music, right? You have to, if you're a versatile dancer, you can throw on any type of music, jazz, blues, hip hop, rock, and make it look good. Make you feel like you're, you're rhythmic with that. And, and that's where the art form of working with dogs kind of comes in. And some people haven't, some people don't, some people are better with it than others. Some people make it look smooth. And this is where the other, the other missing piece comes in. So it's the relationship and then it's the handling. So when you're handling, Mm -hmm. your timing comes in and your relationship with the dog then comes into play 
and your ability to communicate then comes into play and making sure everything is on point. It's been, I would say that it's a very, 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 very rare case of somebody coming in that has a decent or good relationship with a dog and has decent or good handling and they're still not getting the results they want with a reactive dog. It is 9.9 times out of 10, either your relationship is off or your handling is off or both. And so this is where you have to make sure that when you're out with him in situations that you're setting him up for success by doing inside and outside turns. So if you're approaching now, is he reactive to everybody or is he just reactive to some people? Pretty much everybody. Um, as soon as he sees somebody, hears somebody, um, he gets on edge. Um, okay. So we get to, when he gets on edge and he starts to build, what do you do? So I try to correct him and get his attention on me so that he can trust me, have the confidence with me, um, but also is held accountable. Like, hey, these people aren't doing anything to you. I got this. If anything were to happen, so how do you? Listen. How do you? Um, can you walk well, me through that? Like, if yeah, you're out, say so, you're out and um, you you see somebody. Like, what? And how do you? How do you do that? So, most of the time, before I see anybody, or if I see somebody from a distance, um, I will make sure he's feeling next to me. His attention is mainly on me. Um, I'll practice the the sit at the heel, um, just trying to distract him, understand that he has to listen to me, pay attention to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and if somebody is in his eyesight um, and I can hear his, his growl start coming, um, I will give him a correction to get his attention back on me and be like, nope, we don't need to do that. Um, so what do you say? Like, so say he starts to growl or, or like get reactive to somebody. Like the only way that I'm going to be able to pull you out of this is if I know exactly what you're doing. So how, so pretend you're out with him and he starts to growl at somebody. Like, what do you exactly do with him? Like, what are your commands with him and, and how do you do it? Okay. So I will do a correction with the leash and say, no, um, I will tell him to go into a sit. Um, and if he continues to escalate or the sit worked for a second and then he gets more and more reactive, um, stronger correction with the collar and leash, say no in a deeper affirmative tone Mm -hmm. um, and just try my best to get his attention back on me. Um, What do you do when you try to get his attention on you? Just so you're, and I'm, and I'm not, 
I, the only reason why I'm asking is I'm trying to play this out in my head so I can walk you through. So mm-hmm. it's not a test or anything. I'm just trying to figure out, okay, so you're out and you're walking. He starts to build. His breathing kind of picks up. He may start to growl and verbiage. Mm-hmm. And then you correct him. You say no. You put him into a sit. If you continue into a heel and he continues, you correct him harder. And then when you say, like, you try to get his attention on you, are you saying anything? Are you doing anything? How does that, because you've said that a couple times. So how are you doing that? Like, how are you uh-huh. trying to get his attention? Oh, I will first, because I've been working on um, the command focus, mm-hmm. um, which is, I've worked at home with that um, a little bit out in public with that so that he looks at me and kind of detach um, and de-escalate um, his feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, if he does slightly listen and focus, I will usually have a ball or a toy on me to squeak as well as to get his attention. Um, not necessarily as a reward, only when he did focus or he did escalate um his reactivity mm-hmm. um but that's where i need help too is on what are the proper ways because i don't want to reward bad behavior so i know it's a fine line between um how do i put this um it's fine line between making sure he understands the correction mm-hmm. when is the proper time to reward or whether it's a squeaker or say yes good um uh because i don't want to reward at the the improper time and him think that a certain um reactive behavior he has done is a good behavior. Um, yeah. So I try to make very clear um, to understand and separate good from bad as best I can. Um, okay. Also, depends on the, the situation as well because he he's not as reactive if we're just you know, walking in general, um, and there's not really many people around. He maybe can see one from a far distance. Mm-hmm. Might do brow, but then I'll give him a correction and we'll keep going. Uh, but it's the vet or um, any type of situation like that, or if people come to our house, so his, um, you know, his home, mm-hmm. um, and. Even just delivering a package he's very reactive so if i see somebody coming up to deliver a package i will before he sees them i will get his attention on me have him kind of go out of eyesight of the people that are coming right up to the front door um and have him sit with me and focus on me until they leave but sometimes, you know, I don't catch it in time. And then I give him a correction when I start to see or hear him bark. Um, so I just need 
help with how to properly correct him, the timing of everything, um, and, you know, just even if it's just going back to the foundation and basics. Um, yeah. With obedience as well. So I know that he is clear on a certain command and then um, adding distractions or adding this, adding that. That way he, I know and have trust that he will listen to me. And also I want him to be able to trust me enough so that I can handle a situation and he has to listen to me. Um, Got it. So I would recommend in the beginning, like there's, I would be, I would be more proactive instead of reactive. Mm -hmm. So right now you're putting a lot of pressure on him when he starts to exhibit behaviors. So you're starting to bring out your countering or in some cases you're not using any countering. So you, you were talking about at home, you try to get him to go into a place or something before he sees or hears the, the mailman or whatever. And then outside, okay. there's not a lot of countering that's going on. There's just corrections when he is growling and barking. So I would be doing some directional changes on the leash with him randomly to okay. <clears throat> get him refocused on you. Because it sounds to me as a whole is that you're asking him to do stuff moments before somebody enters his bubble. And you're also punishing him when he starts to build. And again, these are all reactive things. So I would uh -huh. recommend, and one thing that has been very successful with my clients and my training has been, this is one of the first things that we do, is they say, okay, I see your dog is reactive. Let's work on some basics. And this is where we uh -huh. do the directional change and the recalls and things like that to get mm -hmm. the dog's attention back on us with positive reinforcement and some sort of motivation if he's motivated by food or praise or a ball or whatever. So when you're out with him, I would be doing, if he's on our left side, I would be coming out and I would be doing these, what I call quarterback drawbacks. So you would basically be walking in a good heel. You'd be telling him good heel. And then you would just draw backwards, like backpedal. And you'd say, dog, come. And then if he didn't, you'd give him pressure. And if he did, he'd, you'd pay him when he got to you. <laughs> so this keeps him engaged when you're out. Because right now, if you're going out, you're doing the definition of insanity right now, which is going out and doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. It's never going to happen. <laughs> like if you're going out and you're waiting for him from zero to 10, 10 being red zone and zero being sleeping, when he starts to build, you're doing the same thing. He starts to build to a four and then you start correcting him and he doesn't come down. You move forward. He builds to an eight and you start correcting him harder and he doesn't come down and then you get an explosion. Right. So what you should do is spend that time to figure out ways that you can navigate him physically and with the leash. So you have to be a little bit more precision based with it. And you have mm -hmm. to, you have to kind of outthink him a little bit to say, Hey, come, come do this with me instead. But you have to, again, same thing going in this inside, you have to randomize it mm -hmm. to make sure that the dog doesn't catch on. Cause I've had clients where they say, Hey buddy, come to your place. And then the dog knows somebody you're conditioning them just like a doorbell that somebody's here. So 
those are some things I would be doing is because some dogs are just bulldozers of dogs. You can't correct them. There's nothing you can do. You could Mm -hmm. use the pager uh, from the e-collar to correct him and kind of snap him out of things, but you're just not at that point yet to build him up there. You're just, you're kind of hitting it head on without results. And so you have to work smarter, not harder. So instead of trying to get closer and closer to that person or that distraction as he's continuously building without any without any bring down without any decompression I would be the first thing I would do if I had him in my hands is I would go out and start teaching him <clears throat> these directional changes and what I call tune-ups or calibrations so he's on my left side what's his what's your dog's name moose moose okay yeah so it'd be moose heel he, and this is a clinical environment, really. So there's just nothing going on. There's no distractions. We may be in a driveway with nothing going on or a parking lot or something or a field with really nothing going on. So it would be moose heel. We'd heel forward. I would then draw back and backpedal. And so moose is continuing to go forward and I start walking backwards. I say, moose, come. And then typically dogs are like, they're just not that responsive. They don't, they haven't seen that picture before. So they're like, what? So I'd say moose come. If he doesn't, I'd give him a little pop on the collar, just a quick pop, just to get his attention. He'd come running to me and then I'd pay him. However, he would take payment. Sometimes it's verbal. Sometimes dogs are stressed because they just got corrected and they don't know why. And they're kind of confused. But what you can do is work them in this sequence. Moose heel, put him back into a heel on your left side. You go forward, you draw back, moose come. And then he doesn't respond. You pop the collar. You pop the leash. He comes back again. He meets you there. Boom, you pay him. So what he'll start to do is he'll start locking in on you. So it's kind of like the same thing you were saying when you're trying to get his attention and you're trying to be engaged with him. But you have to make sure that as you're doing this and or when you are doing this, the objective is for you to essentially counter the dog's behavior as it builds. So you want to... Make sure that the dog um, responds to you, but also disengages off of uh, the the particular dog. Sorry, there's somebody pulling in my driveway. I don't know who they are. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you're res- you want the dog to respond to you without making them feel like, hey, there's something up there, right? So anyway... This exercise you should be doing like all the time. You want to be doing this all the t- all okay. the time to make sure that the the dog that you're working with doesn't know like, hey, somebody's here, somebody's coming over, there's somebody up in the distance. You want to have fun with this. So if he's motivated by food yeah. or a ball, you would go out and you you would try to trick. Honestly, you try to trick trick him. You try to you try to catch him off guard. That's that's kind of in my it, head. Yeah, right. That's how, in my head, that's how I am working with this dog. I'm like, hey, man, you got to pay attention. got to pay attention. And then this creates this scarcity and this, this, like, suction to you where, so again, you're coming out. Hey, buddy, heal. And he's like, okay, we're healing. You know, just goofy moose, right? Just kind of being a dog, just doing his thing. And then all of a sudden, you just split and you start walking backwards. Moose, come. Huh? What? Boom. Correction. He starts peeling back towards you. He's like, what the hell? Boom. Good calm. You pay him. And you start to have fun with this. And so you kind of create this uh, Simon Says 
like type of event of like, hey man, pay attention to me. And and it creates this fun, engaging flow where you're so then what you do is you do similar things with inside turns. So if he's on your left side, you take your left leg, you turn inside to him, you cut him off. And if he doesn't respond to your leash pressure or your verbiage of like, hey man, get out of the way, you're basically gonna cut him off with your leg. So for a smaller dog, they run into your leg. For a bigger dog, you're basically taking your knee and you're turning and they run into your leg again. And then you cut back and you go the outside. So then you turn, you take your right shoulder and you go the other way. And then again, typically dogs will continue to go and then boop, they get a correction again. So you're essentially inside turns, outside turns, drawbacks. You're saying, pay attention, pay attention, pay attention. Now, the beautiful thing is, is I find that once dogs get it, where they're like, oh, if I just, if I look at you, because that's what ends up happening, right? In a lot of my videos, you'll see this too, is the dog will start looking up at me. For the first time, the dog will look up at the handler and the owners are like astounded. And it's not, it's just, if you don't pay attention, you're going to be in the weeds, man. You got to pay attention. You got to, you got to listen to me. So then everything else around the dog kind of starts to get blurry and disappears and they don't care about it. Mm-hmm. And and then your brake command is just as important in this. So inside turn, outside turn, drawback recalls, brake, be a dog. Here's your ball, have fun, sniff, pee, whatever. Um, and you're doing that intermittently throughout your training cycles. So let's say you went on, and I'm just, again, painting you a easy picture here. And you went on a half an hour walk. You broke him out, moose brake. He sniffs, he pees, he does his thing. Okay, moose heel, time to heal. And then if he's going straight, you turn and go the other way. That's what I typically do for, with dogs like right in the beginning of our heel is I tune them up and I say heel and they'll go straight because they're like, ah, we're going down the sidewalk that we go down every day, a couple times a day. And I go the other way. And I go heel is not what you, heel is pay attention to my left leg. Like if you're not on this left leg, there's pressure, negative reinforcement, right? So as soon as he commits to what we want, the pressure shuts off, right? So he's taking that away. And that's what I, and and I change it up. I go and I start cutting different ways to make sure the dog is in tune with me. And then I break the dog out. If you have a dog that is insecure and you have a dog that is fearful, typically this will activate their, oh, this is fun type of response. And two things then mm-hmm. happen. Two things then happen. When you see somebody or you're about to see somebody, because you've tuned the dog up every day for a little bit, changing directions and just keeping the dog on their toes, really making sure that the dog is like sharp. In another, mm-hmm. in other words, <clears throat> what ends up happening is, is because they're so obsessed with, and it depends on how motivated your dog is too. So like with my dog, Lakota, if I put a, if I have a ball or a tug or anything on me and she goes out, like the, nothing else in the world matters. Like you can, a hurricane can go by and she'd be like, ball, 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 ball. So two things happen is the dog has fun with you, which helps your relationship, which could be the cause of the reactivity in the first place. Like, Hey, the dog kind of, and, and again, I don't know your relationship at all. I'm just saying a lot of times dogs are like, Hey, you don't handle me. And I don't feel comfortable with you and I'm insecure Uh now. And so because there's not a lot of structure and direction, the dog may start to spiral out of control. And so by you making very – because right now you're clear on your corrections, but you have no clarity on your direction with the dog. 
So he may be like, okay, I get it. What I'm doing right now is wrong, but I don't care about this. So you giving mm-hmm. you giving him this insecure dog like an easy way out of opening that door and saying, hey, instead of going through all this shit that you really don't want to go through, how about you just go through this door? Oh, thank God. Boom. And they go through that. So that ends up happening. And then the other thing that ends up happening is you start to really figure out and narrow down like why your dog is reactive in the first place. I've done this exercise with dogs who are just as reactive as moose that have done the same things that you're doing, like going through trainers, behaviors, whatever. And all they needed was an opportunity to make a better decision that they would actually want to make, which like, Hey, come over Uh here instead. Oh, thank God. Let me do that. It's not as, it's not as easy said than done, but that's one place to start because right now you're, you only have one option is to correct the dog. And if it doesn't work, you correct him again. And it's just like this cycle. You're not really giving the dog like, Hey, how about this? You know, there's just, it's, it's, you know, so there's that. The other thing that I would start doing, and, and of course, again, it creates this fairness too, that if you do correct him, he knows better because you've been practicing this for a long time. And it's really easy. You walk forward, he sees somebody, he gets locked in. All you do is you, you backpedal, moose come. It's a, it's one of the most basic commands any dog should know. You said his name, you told him to come here. He didn't boom, pop on the leash. Oh shit, my bad. And typically they run to you and they're frustrated and they're like, Oh, you know, so there's that. The other part of this is also making sure like, and again, I'm just this kind of dismantling some of the things that you were saying and breaking it apart <laughs> where it makes sense why you're working on this focus command. Cause I know that you said in your, in what you said was he doesn't really know the focus command that well, but you're starting to use it out in public. So of course you're taking a behavior the dog barely knows and then you're trying to apply it over, you know, why you create why you created the behavior in the first place. So there's that. So giving the opportunity to just do these little quick directional changes would be huge. And of course the focus okay. command. The other thing um, that I think is going on here is, and this is something I posted about on my Instagram yesterday, is a lot of people get into fix-it mode, so they they forget to pay the dog, A. So when the dog actually does good, they don't say a word because they're like, oh, it worked, it worked, it worked, wow. (laughs) They they forget to go, hey, good heal or good leave it. Um, And then the other thing is it's just like your handling, right? So oftentimes... When I get somebody with a big reactive dog and you're already like nervous about it is we tend to make ourselves not that assertive and confident handlers. Mm-hmm. And, and and now listen, I've, I've had Fortune 500 CEO company, like it's not confidence as a human being. It's not confidence as you as a person. I'm just saying when you go out and you handle a dog and you're like, man, this is going to be not good. We tend to not get into this revolutionary progressional, Hey, this is better. We just go, this is going to suck. I'm going to hang on as best I can. It is what it is. And so that's why I've been so successful with just taking dogs. And immediately people are like, how did you do that? I'm like, because it's a breath of fresh air for this dog. 
they're not like getting they're not getting this nervous energy from the handler they're not feeling like yeah right so those are the things that typically happen is you're already in like you're already in this i can just tell this is my job this is my consulting service i can just tell that you're in this like this sucks and so far nobody can help me and this is the way life is and i get that but i would recommend that you start working on the stuff i've already talked about about the tune-ups but if you can have your fiance uh, video you when you're out so you can go back and look at how you were handling that situation you'll find you'll find a lot of benefits to that because you'll be able to see like everything that you did wrong where again shoulders need to be straight head needs to be looking forward we need to be moose heel good heel buddy where a lot of times again when people get into fix it mode where they're like i have a jerk of a dog and this is my life you know it's and and i get it like i i do that's my job but we don't give them the opportunity to succeed that way so again like if i looked at a video like i'm looking at you right now and I'm watching you handle, and I'm like, see, like you're looking down, your moose heel, heel, or and and I know that you're conscious because you've done your research and you've already told me like you're mindful of secondary commands and behaviors and telling, not asking. But I'm just saying, you know, it's the same thing, the old saying of like, listen to what I say, not what I do. <laughs> Meaning, there's still mistakes you may know that you shouldn't make, but you're doing anyway. So just making sure that you have some footage to kind of look back on, mm-hmm. I think would be really helpful for you because it sounds like you've done a pretty good job about educating yourself on what to do. But if you then look at your phone and go, man, I had the leash in two hands. My elbow was at a 90 degree angle. I was looking at him. I did all the wrong things. And these are the reasons why he was unsuccessful. So yeah, using him and telling him that, oh, I'm nervous. Okay, then yeah. mom gonna be nervous too yeah yeah so so that's my that's yeah try to work on that that's kind of my my spiel on and i think what you should start doing um the other thing that i have creatively started to do that's been really helpful for dogs like this especially if they're like monsters on the leash they look like monsters on the leash is i've gotten into like bigger spaces that i can control So let's say there's a soccer game or a baseball game or something going on in a field that's further away. Again, reactive dogs predicated from fear and and stemmed from fear. Like you already know, this dog is terrified and doesn't know what else to do. And your job is to help him through these things. And basically, once you get over that hump where he finally does it right and you pay him heavily for it, he's like, oh, this is much better. That's the way you yeah. want to be handling situations. Uh, so anyway, um, a long line has been really helpful to kind of break down some of these buildups that these insecure dogs have had. Because essentially, when you get on a four to six foot tether on a dog, they become more reactive because uh, because they can feel what you're doing, right? So you're cranking up. Yeah. Right. You're talking. It, the dog's like, oh, oh, shit, here we go. Where are they? Boom. Reaction. So this this not only helps dog owners, but I find it to be helpful towards 
uh, dogs uh, altogether. So here's, again, I'm going to paint, and this is the best I can do because I'm not in front of you. I get a 15, 20 foot long line. I go out into a field where there's just other things going on. And this doesn't always, I mean, if you can't find something, that's fine. But typically if you can, and there will be, that's good. What you would do is you would get the dog on a long line and you just start walking back and forth. Like, so it's, if, if it's a 15 foot long line, you'd walk 30 feet this way, 30. And you just start, you just say, Hey, follow me. And what this does is I find that like a lot of people who are all talk, right? Bluffing. It, once you're like, fine, go. They're like, ah, you'll kick my ass. I don't want to do that. You know, um, you start to break these things down too, because you're breaking down this habitual thing that they do because it's all they know. So you get on that four to six foot leash, you go out, you start walking and the dog starts freaking out, right? This is what they do. But if you break down everything and you give the dog an opportunity to be successful by just like walking, like your dog sees somebody over there and you start and you you immediately turn and go the other way. Don't even say anything. There's a good chance your dog's gonna whoa, 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 bark forward like two steps and then look back for you and realize you're gone and run to you. Yeah. And so that also starts to break down. I've done this with dogs in particular. And after about 10 minutes of directional changes, they don't bark at anybody. You say, go ahead, man, tough guy. And they go, no, 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 yeah. I'm good. Well, there's a reward at the end of it if you follow me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I've even found uh, some fearful dogs to become rewarded from the reactivity too. Like it, be they become like obsessed with it. So anyway... That, those are some things that, that I would start doing if I were you. Get the long line out, do your directional changes, do your drawbacks, record your sessions, record the things that you're doing so you can look back and go, oh man, everything I did there was not good. And then, you know, just be mindful of what you're asking him to do in public. Like again, if, if, if you're, so reason why I was trying to like get a little bit more granular with you when you were saying that you were trying to get his attention is because of this. Huh is if I've seen dog owners do this before where the dog doesn't know focus at all or the dog barely knows focus and they start to build on something or look at something that we don't want them to and we start applying and asking the dog to do that look or focus that they don't know that well and then we start correcting them and then they start getting so they're building on somebody and then they're they're the owners are going Picasso to them they're like this rather this might as well be in Swahili and then we're giving them pressure and it's building them up. It's kind of ticking them off and then they react even more and it just makes this bad situation. So try to have more clarity and have more, hey, come over here. Like it's an easy thing to just do a recall. Hey, come. The dog says, nope, there's somebody. Boom, corrected. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I, I try to make things as clear as possible um, and I I months ago when we first got him started with the basics kept up with the basics um and especially when there's no distractions so he very much so understands the command so that if there is a possible stressful situation out in public he will know that command um and i i try my best to make it clear to him yeah and yeah 
Yeah, so those those are the things I would be working on to start. I know it's like oh. a it's a lot, but that's because it's like the things that you're doing right now make sense that why he is not getting any better is because you're basically just like trying to correct him and that didn't work. And then you're just trying it again. And then that didn't work. You have to switch it up. Yeah. You have to, you have to switch it up and take him out of that situation. But also when you take him out of that situation, it's something, it's a picture he's seen many times. So it's not just like, Hey, let's try this while there's a person you're growling at. It's Hey, I'm Hey, come good. Hey, come good. Heal. Good heal. Come good. Break. You're doing that often. And then when you apply it, bing, bang, boom then it mm-hmm. makes more sense. And and again, if you move away from him and say, hey, let's come this way, he is then even going to be more excited to come to you anyway because he doesn't want to face this demon anyway. He doesn't want to face this person. So anyway. Yeah. All right, you guys, you've reached the end. I uh, hope you liked it. Again, awesome session with an individual that I feel like I've built up pretty nicely and hopefully her confidence went up and she's allowed to go out there and handle things with her dog now. So I'm going to be answering three of your dog training questions. If you want me to answer your specific questions as a listener, all you have to do is head over to the iTunes review chart, leave your review and in the comments, ask your question. Or if you guys want to support the channel, this is absolutely for free. If you find this valuable, no bad dog army, do me a freaking favor. It costs you nothing but 30 seconds of your time, maybe less. If you're listening to this on Spotify, go over and review this. If you're listening to this on iTunes, go over and review it. It would mean the world to me. We appreciate it. Let's keep moving. Eric R. Neeson. These podcasts and YouTube videos are more they gave me more resources and confidence to adopt our Aussie who has gone through multiple failed adoptions and was close to being euthanized for several aggressions uh, in a significant bite, bite history. Positive only trainer has failed this dog. Tom's compassionate, balanced approach works literally and save my dog's life. Thank you so much, Eric. That's exactly what I'm talking about. I love hearing, seeing, reading these things. <clears throat> you know, um, it's, it's, it's fuel to the fire that I have inside me. So thank you so much, Eric, for sharing that with me. If anybody else has these stories, leave them in the reviews, you guys. Let's go. All right, next one. Thank you, Chloe556. Your videos have helped me with my rescue dog more than any other resource. My question is, is my dog is exclusively territorial. He was rescued from a home where he has made to fight for breeding purposes. That's weird. So it's gross. And we thought that it he wouldn't be good with other dogs, but he is. So just a little nervous, especially with big male dogs, and it's understandable. Most of your videos, I deal with reactive leash aggressive dogs, but I'm wondering what you suggest for a dog whose only trigger is when people come to the home. It is night and day when he's out versus at home. He has a bite history and he growls and usually everyone unknown who visits house takes a warning. And if something ever were to happen, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Follow up. How much should I train? How much should I trust him, especially outside? I have always had people go in super slow with him, though he's amazing at third locations, but I always have had territorial behavior in mind. I want to be, so this is easy. Don't let people pet your dog. I talk about this all the time. Talked about this last podcast is building confidence with him socially and, and desensitizing people is just being around these individuals. If you're flipping a coin with a dog that has a bite history that you plan on keeping forever, that you love and you care for, you are flipping a coin by asking people he doesn't know to come up and pet him. Why would you do that? Stop doing that. Don't do that. Right? Like, oh, two months later, he bit somebody. What do I do? He's going to get put down. They're going to take him. 
Don't let him go up to people he doesn't know. Don't let people who don't know him come up to him. Don't do it. What is the ri- what is the risk over reward right here? The reward is is somebody gets to pet my dog that he really doesn't give a shit about and going to be gone for two seconds. The risk is he bites somebody and he gets put down. Don't do it. Next one, great trainer, great person. XX Kai something or other XX myself and military working dog handler, instructor, and use your videos and podcasts to help students understand positive and negative reinforcement and punishment and also help myself with fixing and solving issues I am having. Question, I have a one-year-old German shepherd that doesn't have much of a toy or food drive but is willing to chase my two seven-year-olds and play with them. Would you say it's more prey-play drive? And then a way to pay her is physical touch and play? Yeah, um... Well, thanks for using my resources as for your students. That that's always awesome to hear. Um, we're doing some college stuff next year, which is going to be exciting. Can do some talks at some universities, but um, yeah, I would just say like verbal praise. I mean, the reality is, is if your dog doesn't have a food drive, if your dog doesn't have much of a prey drive, and they don't really give a shit about it, then there's not much you can do. I mean, you can try to build it, but if it's not there, it's not there. Even if you do build it, it's not going to be strong. So I would just do whatever you possibly can to reward that dog and let them know that they've done good. Verbal praise, physical praise, good job. You know, sometimes that's all they need. Sometimes that's all they want. So don't be afraid to just, that's just as good of a reward. Anyway, good question. Brett C9146, just really wanted to say thank you for all that you do. I was frustrated place and I couldn't find the right training information. I need to work on my handling issues, which I never considered until you really helped me open my eyes and made the light bulb finally go off. It seems that a lot of people are always just blaming the dog and never looking at themselves. Keeping Keep up the awesome work. We really appreciate what you do. Thanks to the No Bad Dog Army is going and growing and growing and growing. Thanks, Brett. Thank you, Brett. Appreciate you, man. Next one. Love your podcast. A-A-R-S-U something hvf i live in a farm alone uh, over a thousand acres in the middle of nowhere and i wanted to i wanted a guard dog and ask god for one and i got an australian doodle long story short lol i let him as a puppy just be a menace and he'd become reactive and insecure about everything and has helped me sleep while it which insecure and in everything which has helped me sleep at night but i had no control at all my fault completely ever since i don't let him get away with anything and use a slip in a e-collar with all your help. He's the goodest boy ever, but I have one command that lets him bark, which is who's here, which I use when I hear a weird noise. Thank you for the best podcast and I have your sweatshirt and I get a million compliments at college for it. What breed would you recommend for a God dog on a farm? Um, good question. I mean, the podcast we put out Monday with the great Pyrenees, those are good. It just depends on what you want. Honestly, dogs naturally get a mutt. They're just as good. I mean, but if you need a dog to like protect livestock from wolves and bears, you're going to have to get a big boy. So keep that in mind. But uh, I'm going to do one more because a lot of these are just uh, great just reviews. So I appreciate it. Uh, wow is every nickel. Why? <laughs> wow is every nickname taken. Uh, okay, great podcast and even better work by Tom. However, the lady that clearly wanted to euthanize her dog should uh, be embarrassed. I hope. Okay, it's just somebody saying that. Yeah. Reactivity. We're going to do one more. Brecken03. Hi, Tom. I love and listening to your podcast and watching your YouTube videos. They have helped me so much with my reactive dog. She's a year and a half year old pit lab mix. She has been reactive ever since a dog hopped its fence and attacked her while we were on a walk. My question is, is how do I get her over the fear? This this is a question I get every day. I'm going to answer this one more time. This is the last time. <laughs> um, 
there's nothing you can do about dogs attacking you other than protect yourself with any means possible. Bear spray, kicking, screaming, punching, everything you can do. Um, the way to desensitize and help your dog build confidence after that is to go back out in the in the real world and use lots of positive reinforcement to get your dog uh, comfortable again in that scenario. That's 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 really basically think about it. Don't 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 beat yourself up over it. It was a traumatic experience that some dogs are going to be more traumatized than others, and it's shitty that it happened. It was 1,000% out of your control. There's nothing you can do about it ever again, and the only thing you can do is your dog is going to say, I don't want that to happen again, and you just have to bring your dog out into many situations to have a lot more great situations than that one bad one, so you have to counter it, and you have to outweigh it 1,000 to 1. And you just have to make it the best experience you possibly can. And that's the way to do it. I've just answered that every single day. And I just don't know how else to put it out there. But that's it, guys. All right. Thank you for listening. I appreciate you as always. And I will talk to you next week. Bye.